vez está fallando el greeting. ¿Qué pasa con esta cinta? Imagine one day having to deal with the sudden death of your absent grandfather, a person you never really knew and who knew even less about you. You're given the job of unpacking his enormous mess of an office, which contains junk that has accumulated over a lifetime of hoarding. You enter a space full of newspapers, garbage, books, and other meaningless things. But in the chaos, you find a suitcase with some very peculiar objects inside of it. There are old tapes, not like cassettes from the 80s and 90s, but those bigger ones that come wound up in round cartridges. There are a lot of them, and what you discover on those tapes is even more surprising. It's a story, a story that will change the course of your life, your family's life, and maybe even the musical history of your country. The voice you are hearing is my grandfather, Carlos Rota. I met him maybe a dozen times in my life. It was only when he died that I found this collection of reel-to-reel -reel tapes through which I began to reconstruct the complexity of his character. I was in a place I never knew existed, and had stumbled upon a task that was larger than myself, but, but that was somehow perfectly suited for me. Nosotros exportamos matrices, y estas matrices son reproducidas en forma de discos en una serie de países del continente, y actualmente hemos llegado a introducir los primeros discos ecuatorianos en Europa. My name is Daniel Ofredo Rota, a.k.a. Quijosis, and I'm a musical archaeologist, musician, and DJ from Quito, Ecuador. This is Caife, The Lost Sound, a Spotify original podcast where I uncover the story of Caife, a record label founded by my grandfather in the 1960s in Ecuador, a story buried under decades of dust and forgotten memories. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As a music producer, I have always felt drawn to the roots of music and their evolution through technology. That is why, when I discovered these tapes, I knew I had stumbled onto something special. But I also knew I would need some help unraveling what would turn out to be a very complex story.
Sampling the past has been a source of inspiration for me, and it was through my music that Nadia Orozco, a music journalist from Bogotá, got in touch with me. Nadia works for Colombia's public radio network and has written for Vice and other international publications. We got on well, and our conversation veered towards my grandfather's tapes. It all felt really compelling and visceral to her, so she decided to come to Quito so we could reconstruct the story of Caife, the music label founded by my grandfather, piece by piece. And that's how this story began. Dani! Nadia! Nice to meet you! Nice to meet you too. It's awesome, finally. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm very excited to be here in Quito. Welcome. Thank you. When Nadia arrived from Bogotá, we went on a walk in the neighborhood where Carlos Rota, my grandfather, was born and lived most of his life. We are in the middle of a huddle of buildings in La Mariscal, in what was once the best neighborhood in Quito. This is where the Caife label had its storage. This might have been where they used to meet, a sort of distribution center. Carlos moved out of here in the late 1970s, took everything out and moved one block down and eight floors up to the Mutualista Pichincha building, a bit of a brutalist building with exposed concrete and big windows. This is where Carlos's office was located until his death. We decided to start out by talking to people who worked in the building. ¿Cómo le va, amigo? Verá, yo le quería preguntar si usted tal vez conoció a mi abuelo, el señor Carlos Rota. We wanted to know if anyone remembered my grandfather and if they could give us any clues as to what kind of man he was or any other information. No, no. What? A lot of people said they didn't know him or just preferred not to speak with us. No, Carlos Rota. No. Do you know if the neighbors complain? No, I think I think Carlos was. Uh, I mean, culturally speaking, people don't bother you in Ecuador unless you're making a lot of noise. And he was quiet, and he was alone most of the time. There were the, a couple of uh, occasions where I heard about him like screaming or something like that mm -hmm. in his office late at night. But the the general feeling is that he was respected in the building. Um, also kind of feared, maybe, uh, and that he was an eccentric and strange uh, man. As the day went on, we realized the neighbors weren't going to reveal much, for now. Carlos Rota passed away in March of 2014, and the task of organizing his personal belongings fell on myself and the rest of my family. It became our responsibility to dig through the possessions of a man we never really knew and try to make sense of it all. I took Nadia to where it all started. Where are we going, Dani? We're going to the eighth floor of the Mutualista Pichincha building where my grandfather, Carlos, had his office. We are entering the floor of my grandfather's office. This is the space. How do you find the the office now? It's it's different. Yeah, it's clean. It's uh, it's remodeled. The the really nice things about the office are really obvious, like the beautiful views and the wide windows and the vantage point. Really, it's 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 kind of amazing. According to my mother, one of the favorite places in Carlos's life. So there's, there's definitely something, a lot of energy here. And um, 
yeah, I, I just remember the dust and the newspaper, but also the, it feels so sterile now without, without any of it here, and it was such a disaster. I <laughs> um, also feel like there's a, a sense of, there's these beautiful views in, in the office, uh, and you can, and I'm looking at the house where Carlos was born in, from the window, and it just feels like he would have had a full view of the decadence of his whole life from this place. The place had become a window into the life of my grandfather. Through a mass of paper and artifacts, we were reconstructing the disparate pieces of a man who lived at a distance, and I was beginning to get a first-hand impression of the problems he had suffered and the repercussions of those problems, not only on his children, but on his entire family, including myself. Carlos was a broken bridge, a missing link. This is Francesca, my mother, an artist and expert restorer of old houses. She has vivid memories of this place. My mother is explaining that her father was a compulsive hoarder. He would collect all sorts of things, whether they had any value or not. Initially, our task was to clean the place to find everything of value and discard the rest. But it quickly became clear that it wasn't so simple. The task was as tedious as it was enormous, and it was also really hard to understand. This is my aunt, Gabriela. She's my mother's younger sister and a professor of Spanish literature. She's saying that the whole situation was kind of hopeless. It was all very overwhelming. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Just as my mother and my aunt had predicted, the effort to clean the office had become an excavation. We were trying to reconstruct a missing person and narrative from the sum of all those objects. There were many locks on the door, but way too many keys, and we had to try every one of them. This is not it. This is not it. Not this one. Not this one. It took us a long time to get inside, and when we opened the door, the light was coming in strong through the big windows. It was all well illuminated, still and dusty, 
For me, the office was a very quiet place somehow. It was a total mess, but it didn't stink like rotten garbage. The trash was covered in dust, but there was no putrefaction, no food waste, all dust. It was as if a disaster had happened, a paper explosion that was already over, and all the pieces of paper had come to rest peacefully on the floor. It was a tense calm. My mother, Francesca, had experienced Carlos's hoarding directly. Entonces, yo trataba de, de, de recoger, recoger algo. Here, Francesca is telling us how, when anyone moved anything, he would get extremely angry, no matter how insignificant the objects. Creo que eso hace parte de ese, de ese síndrome del acumulador, que no, no puede tocar nada porque, porque necesitas estar protegido por todas esas cosas. My mother and aunt explained that Carlos's illness led him to be very protective of his possessions and where he put them. No one could move a single thing, not even an inch. And if you did, he would notice immediately. When you entered Carlos's office, you could see shadows of pictures on the walls as if they had been removed, but the shadows remained. Shadows of an armchair that was no longer there. You entered the office and there was a desk covered with seven telephones, two answering machines, a couple of typewriters, all covered in messy stacks of paper. Nicolás is my younger brother. People call him Nico, and he's a stand-up comedian. And he's describing how big the office was. It was about seven large cubicles, about the size of a three-bedroom apartment. The times we met our grandfather were too few to count. This excavation became a way of getting to know the man by sifting through the tons of material he had left behind. Danny, talk to me about the things that you found here. We found all sorts of paper, basically. It was full of paper, 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 all kinds of paper media, calendars, newspaper, books, wrappers, receipts, uh, Receipts from a long time ago, file cabinets full of, um, you know, documentation from businesses that that went bankrupt or disappeared 40 years ago, and uh, it was paper all over, up almost up to my ankles of paper everywhere, and then big piles of paper all over the place, and um, yeah, we found uh, around three, three, three and a half tons of newspaper is what we pulled out of here. So if you take three and a half tons of newspaper and divide it by the weight of one newspaper, it's around 16,800 newspapers that were inside of this room, which if you buy one newspaper a day, uh, it would be around 45 years for you to get to this amount of newspaper. So it's 45 years worth of newspaper, 16,800 days <laughs> worth of newspaper. <laughs> Compulsive hoarding disorder is a recognized mental health condition where people have difficulty getting rid of possessions, regardless of their value. In my grandfather's case, his office was a whirlwind of newspaper dating back to the 1950s. Plastic bags, answering machines, telephones, typewriters, phone books, farmer's almanacs, candy wrappers, American MREs, all piled up on file cabinets, broken shelves, and boxes. We still have fresh and vivid memories of that place. This is Ivan, 
my cousin, a journalist, and also a stand-up comedian. Here Ivan is telling us of how you would sometimes find something that seemed precious, like a newspaper telling of Hitler's invasion of Poland. You'd be like, my God, this is history. It felt unbelievable what we had there. Except after half an hour, you were already throwing stuff away, because there was so much of it that it had devalued. Here, Francesca and Gabriela are telling us about how Carlos thought he had all the solutions to solve the problems of humanity. When he died and they were organizing his apartment, they found a list. And on that list it said to buy papaya, nuts, bananas. And at the bottom of the list it said to remind the world of my importance. It was on the list of things to do, to remind the world of the transcendence and importance of Carlos Rota. He wanted to be a better person, but he could not. I think he taught us many things in the sense of not being like him, but also to be like him. He had a series of very characteristic gestures. He was tall, but stooped, very serious. And I remember he had very big eyelashes and expressive eyes. Obviously, his posture was very closed, as though he was protecting his energy. To me, his energy seemed to repel. He was not only hunched, but he had a hump, and he had an umbrella under his arm and usually wore a trench coat. From a distance, he looked very distinguished. The vest was maybe a little dirty or something. Certain details escaped him. The older he got, the less he paid attention to them. He also had other strange quirks as well, like when he used to call home. Whenever someone who was not my mother answered the phone, he would either hang up or make up an accent. That's how you knew it was him. Someone calling for a wrong number or pretending to be a famous ex-president. Just as there were moments of laughter, there were also darker moments. Nico found letters written to the girls by their mother, Marcela. Letters Carlos had kept hidden amongst his piles of paper. My grandmother, Marcela, who now lives in Texas, was born in Lima, Peru, and was studying at a boarding school in Kentucky when she became close friends with Frances, Carlos's younger sister. That's how Carlos met Marcela, and after a short while, they fell in love, got married, and later separated. Francesca and Gabriela remember saying goodbye the day she left. The official story is they forgave her for leaving and later reconciled their relationship. But at the time, she abandoned them both to their father. However, it turns out Marcela had attempted to correspond with Francesca and Gabriela. She did want a relationship with them. Finding those letters was a revelation. One of his pathologies was that he wouldn't let others enjoy what he couldn't enjoy. There was a deep envy in him. It's as if all his darkest attributes come together in perfect synchrony in this anecdote. What he did was horrendous, narcissistic, vengeful and vindictive. He wanted to destroy reputations. 
It was pathological narcissism. As we continued to dig through the endless mounds of paper and other junk, it became clear that most of Carlos's accumulated possessions would likely end up in the dumpster. But as I dug deeper, I discovered the piece of buried treasure that would change my life. The tapes. Danny, describe me the moment that you find the tapes. Well, uh, the first, it, it was the first day. I turned this corner and there was a suitcase with around 80 tapes. And that was, a, that was one of those moments of, of a manic excitement. I was like, where is the rest? <laughs> where is the tape player? Um, I just really needed to find. So um, I started to look and dig deeper and deeper and deeper. It took around probably two weeks or so. There was one room that was piled up to the roof with, with boxes and paper and, and closed. Two doors on each side, both of them blocked with boxes. So, well, eventually at the bottom, very bottom, deepest corner of that room, there was uh, probably around 10 boxes with tapes and uh, all the tape related things. And I actually found a tape player, which, uh, which I took home and, and used to play the first tape I, I found. When I found them, I was awestruck. What could possibly be on these tapes buried beneath decades of dust? My mother had always told me about the matrices. One time she inherited a piece of furniture from my great-grandmother, and I remember her saying that she hoped to find the matrices in there. But when I heard this word, matrices, I thought of an Excel sheet or something like that. When I finally understood what the matrices were, a collection of master recordings from my grandfather's record label, it just blew my mind. Founded in the 1950s by Carlos, was not only a huge part of my family's legacy, but also the legacy of Ecuador and its rich culture. And these matrices were my ticket to the past. All of a sudden, I realized that Carlos had done something, something special with his life. He had contributed something, and the office, all of a sudden, became a treasure hunt. Eventually, we found the rest of the tapes buried deep inside the office. They were in boxes, and there were about 400. It was a wormhole that led me to Carlos and his good times. He had had good moments too, and it became a search to find what went wrong and why it went wrong. I connected with him through time, looking through pictures of him at my age. He looked neat. He looks well-dressed. At my age, he had already created an entire music label and had moved on to other things. He had enormous potential. I started to wonder how it all turned. I wanted to understand how he got twisted. What could have happened to him that led him to such darkness? I didn't want my own life to be like his. Every investigation has a certain rhythm. And as we reconstructed him, Carlos took on many more dimensions. The way the details emerged, slowly, unexpectedly, and from unexpected angles, made his character even more mysterious. My intuition told me that I had to go there. The mystery was magnetic to me. We had found a musical treasure entangled with the dramatic personal life of a complicated man, 
and I was beginning to feel how those events from the past were like distant deep water pulses that were still making waves against my shores. Esta temporada en Sonido Perdido. What are your expectations about this week? Well, I'm. I always try to keep my expectations low, but I'm really excited to see what we find with all these interviews that we've set up in, in our investigation, and I'm really hoping to find new clues. It's a, like a big mystery, everything that surrounds Miluka. Well, we don't know very much about Miluka. We were told that maybe he lost his life to drugs, didn't find any evidence of, of his presence in jail. We heard that he died in the 1980s. We don't know, the mystery just grows and grows. What we do know is that he was an excellent musician, that his virtuosity really marked people. Danny, what does this project mean for you? A very deep project that kind of encompasses all the areas of my life. It's my family, it's, it's my work, it's music. And it's just been almost all-consuming for a really long time. And uh, it's been seven years of this process. So for me, this is, uh, this is huge. Our project right now gives me a sense that we are getting almost to the, the point at which maybe all of this finally makes sense. I'm Daniel Ofredo Rota, and this is Caife, the last sound. <laughs>